0: Hello and welcome back to the Art of Dating podcast. This is Kayla, your host, and today you'll be listening to episode 19. Um, the last three episodes, we talked a lot about making the marriage decision and receiving revelation and how to discern all that revelation. Now we're going to talk about a little bit of advice on what to do once you're engaged. Um, so we have a married couple with us and Ryan, they they talk all about uh, the things you should talk about once you're engaged and how to plan for the rest of your life together. And so Without wasting any time, I'll turn it over to, to Ryan. What do you have for us today?
1: Hello, and welcome to the Art of Dating podcast. This is Ryan Eggett. I'm here with two of my favorite married people of all time. Uh, this is Zach and Sadie, or we were saying, should it be Sadie and Zach, Zach and Sadie, but thanks to everyone thinking Zach and Cody from their childhood, <laughs> we said maybe, it, maybe it'll be a Zach and Sadie. I'm going to have them introduce themselves in a second, but uh, today, this is episode 19, and we're going to be talking about being engaged and the significance of being engaged and maybe some advice, some, some what we would say do's and don'ts. Although a lot of this is going to be advice driven, you know, up to this. So the previous 18 episodes, you hear, you hear a ton of quotes, but even in the teacher manual, I'm, I've got the teacher manual here pulled up, there's not a single quote in all of this. Uh, section on engagement. And there's only four paragraphs that say it's a, it's an important time, right? Doesn't really give you uh, much to do, but we're going to talk about that and some of the things that I think a lot of couples are wondering. Oh, now what do we do when we're engaged? Since you guys have been engaged, we'll uh, let you tell us a little bit about what you found worked, what didn't work, what you're now advising other people who've been engaged. So Sadie, we're gonna start with you. Tell us where you're from, what you're currently doing, and uh how long have you guys been married
2: um i am sadie uh we have been married for three and a half years um currently well we're both from utah so i'm from lehigh utah Um, but currently we are living in oram just working i am a teacher Um, I teach special ed resource
1: uh, in junior high, Uh, Diamond Fork Junior A Diamond Fork Junior, awesome, Mm -hmm. I'm out there all the time.
2: Yeah, sixth and seventh grade this next year, so middle school. Um, And what was the other
1: thing? uh, Let's see, I think that was it. Hmm. Yeah, that was good.
2: Oh, I was sure. gonna say we also are expecting a baby. And oh
1: you are, okay. I, yes. I thought we were but I <laughs> yeah. you know the one thing you never want to ask a woman is are you pregnant? Yeah, <laughs> so true. It's true. for my PhD, uh, my dissertation, I actually did a survey of a hundred pregnant women, but they had to be in the first trimester. Oh, so wow. I sat outside or in the lobby of a doctor's office, right, an O B G Y N. <laughs> And would ask women as they came in, "Are you by? Are you pregnant by any chance?" It was the worst couple of days of my life <laughs> no. because they'd say, "Do I look pregnant?" I'm like, "Not." You know, eventually I came with with better lines like, "You don't look pregnant at all." But are you by any chance? Because <laughs> I'm looking for some, you know, people in their first trimester for some women, but it was difficult. Tough. Congratulations.
2: Thank you. Yes.
1: All right,
3: Zach. I'm Zach. I work as an accountant executive at Bamboo HR. And I got to marry Sadie three and a half years ago. So that's all you really need to know about me.
1: And uh, how did you two meet?
3: We met in a choir, a really good choir. Great, yes. great director, actually. <laughs> yes, yes, I believe
1: I was the director yes, of Yes, you were that that's, director, actually. Uh, yeah. That's my little claim to fame. Well, awesome. So you guys have been married three and a half years. Mm-hmm. The two of you have mm-hmm. been married three and a half years. So one of the things, now we've talked in, the, in episode 16, 17, and 18, we've talked about making that marriage decision, right? And and how to know if this is a good match for you, all of those challenging details that you go through. And if and if you listen to the podcast, for all of you who've been listening and following kind of sequentially, you know that all along the way uh, that I have and so have all of our guests, we've been encouraging you to really get to know each other in this dating process. So let's just review, let's take a step back and review something that we talked about, I don't know, maybe starting in episode eight or nine, and now we've talked about it every single episode, but I just want to catch the two of you up. And that's kind of the dating or marriage triangle of Sternberg. And and so what it looks like for all of you, and I. some of you are like, man, he talks about this every episode, but this is kind of a basis for us. It's a regular triangle, and over on your right corner, we've got, um, maybe we'll call it chemistry tonight, chemistry, or we've got physical attraction, right? So it's it's all of the sexual part of your relationship. On the left corner then we have friendship or what Sternberg called intimacy and this is right. So so the right corner would really encompass all of the passion, physical passion. The left corner then would be things like friendship, getting to know each other, compatibility, camaraderie, all of those things that make the rest of a relationship. And then at the top is this idea of commitment. And, and we've talked about the more passion you have in your marriage, the arrow goes up that side of the triangle the more friendship you have in your marriage the the arrow goes up that side of the triangle until you get to the top of the triangle and that's where commitment is so the more passion you have the more you want to be committed to each other the more friendship you have right the more compatible the more uh that deep abiding love you have for each other the more you want to be committed so a big part of being engaged it's funny i've been talking to people lately knowing that this episode was coming up and saying so what is what is you know what is the engagement even for? Because we saw a lot of brief or no engagement periods during COVID. I'd have students come in and say, "You know, we're uh, we we've decided to get married. We've dated for a year, decided to get married, and the temples aren't open, and we can't throw a reception. So we're just getting married next week." And I'm like, "But you're only going to be engaged for a week?" And they're like, "Yep." And I'm thinking, "That's crazy. You should be engaged for you know blank number of weeks or blank number of months." Then I start thinking, "Why?" What, what do you even do when you're engaged? And so I was talking with another couple of teachers this week, and one of them said, well, that's the time when you get to know each other. And I said, well, you need to go back and listen to the podcast, <laughs> right? Because you'll find that we're really saying the time to get to know if you want to marry this person probably is before you get engaged. So, but, but engagement, now here's the, here's the first thing, maybe. Engagement then can be a time to strengthen that friendship, Right? I don't know that you're going to strengthen your sexual desires for each other. I think, as a matter of fact, that's one of the points I'm going to bring out today is you probably need to keep a lid on those, right? That's a time to cool those down and show some restraint because this is good practice. Good practice at not looking at somebody of the opposite sex other than the girl that you're engaged to or the boy that you're engaged to. Good practice in saying, I can't flirt. It's that time when you go, I'm taking myself out of the dating gang. And now I'm committed to this one person, so I'm no longer gonna be looking around. I'm no longer, longer gonna be flirting. I'm gonna be learning to rein those things in prior to me actually being married. And so, in, in terms of the sexual part of the relationship, it's a good time for you to learn to control yourself sexually. And you know, we we can talk more about that. But then on the left side of the triangle, triangle, it's a really good time to deepen the friendships, right? To say, okay. We're going to be engaged for maybe two or three months, or, or whatever it is. I don't know. Three months, whatever people do these days. I was engaged for three months. How long were you guys engaged? Three
3: About months. The same. Yeah. Three months. Yeah, Just that seems a, like kind of
1: a standard Utah county. That's where yeah. Yeah. I'm from. Big Utah. It's a good yeah, time. Yeah, it's a three months. Some people are engaged for a year, right? <laughs> um, but but we were three or four or five months is kind of standard, maybe around here. So what is engagement even for?
2: I think it's just like you said, I think you already have the foundation of your friendship and your love, but it's just time to strengthen that and to get to know each other more and to talk a lot. You just, you just got to talk about your future.
1: Yeah. And even though you may say, okay, we're compatible enough to get married, that doesn't mean that dating, you're really going to plan out all of your future. Right. Uh, And so, so I would say, and this is what we we really get in the teacher manual from this course at the Institute is the engagement period is the time to plan mm-hmm. and the planning comes through talking, right? You already know that, okay, we're compatible. We have the same backgrounds. We're kind of already talking about some of these things. But there are some things that you're not going to talk about dating that you're going to have to talk about as an engaged couple, right? Like yeah. dating, you may say things like, hey, uh, how many children do you want, right? And when do you want children? And as you get closer to engagement, you may say, when are we going to start having children? How are we going to handle the sexual intimacy in our relationship? Maybe maybe you're going to have some, a little more open conversations about sex with the person that you're engaged to. Now, I want to make this clear before I get moms riding in, right? <laughs> that uh, I'm not saying you should be having these long conversations about sex. We're not talking about talking about sex as much as, You're planning out your sexual relationship for your marriage. Yeah, Zach?
3: I think a big part of that is understanding and forming expectations for once you're married, right? Oh, yeah. Because you have all of, while you're dating, there's so many of these things that it's like, oh, I, I, I love you. And I'm going to understand some things about you that I don't right now but I'm comfortable moving forward. And you just kind of accept each other in these places with a lot of uncertainty. And so I feel like a big part of this is understanding what each other, the expectations that you already have. Because both people are raised in a different household and what they see their mom and dad do and what they have seen from others do. And for every part of this, you already have expectations that maybe you, don't know the other person doesn't have, and understanding those expectations, talking about them, and then forming your own expectations, I think it's a huge part of that engaged time to make sure that the first part of marriage isn't so hard. Yeah, is
1: it, and I think people who don't do this discussing, who don't have these kinds of conversations, who don't say, hey, let's talk about our expectations and, and maybe we ought to flesh some of these out. Hmm. Like, expectations for what? But people who don't do that And you have to do it at some point. And so they end up doing it during their first year of marriage. And I'll tell you, once you've already tied the knot, right? You got the wedding ring on. For some reason, there's something, I don't know, it's a little more contentious than going, let's talk about this as an engaged couple, as we're planning on getting married. And, you know, there's still all of those like, wow, we're just moving forward. And then all of a sudden you're married and you go, wait, that's how you want this? Well, you know, there's like, I can't back out now, right? It's this crazy experience. So let let me ask you, Zach, mm-hmm. and maybe both of you, expectations about what? Like you go, these are things you should talk about. Well, let's help the people listening out there really maybe, like what things should you talk about? Sadie, um, you have some ideas for us?
2: Yeah, I think, well, you just have to remember that whatever you've seen in your life. So you've seen your parents, you've seen other married couples around you. You You've seen TV. Yeah, you've seen TV. You might have certain expectations of how marriage is. So you need to think of your day-to-day life, like what do you expect from your husband or your wife? Like, do you expect your husband to take out the trash? Like it can be things as simple as that. If you don't ever say that to them, they're not gonna know that unless maybe their dad did the same thing. But I think you have to talk about Yeah, just like your daily habits, um, also how you expect to be loved and feel loved, like going to the love languages, Mm. if you need service or gifts or whatever you need. Um, But just really just everything, expectations. We all have expectations as humans, I think, that we unfortunately will just assume that people can read our minds, but that's not the case. Um, yes, and that yeah. old
1: li- that old line that sometimes we hear, you know, and, and I don't know, in my case, women, you know, say is, you should know, right? You should know why I'm mad, and you're like, I know I should, just tell me though, you know. <laughs> I know, I just want to see if we're thinking the same thing, you know. But but it's so much better to talk, right? So much better to talk, and, and that can be, you know, as we're thinking expectations, there are so many things that you could talk about. You could spend a year talking about expectations every day. Totally. Right? You, you could spend a year just saying, let's talk about how we're going to run our bedroom. And I'm not talking about the sexual part of it. I'm talking about when are we going to make the bed? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> not when are we going to be in the bed. When are we going to make this bed? And are, are you going to make it? And are we going to get out of bed at the same time? What time are we going to go to bed? One of the things Sister Agget, or Angie and I came to a commitment to together was, we'd go to bed together that it wouldn't be one person went to bed and the other one trailed in an hour later. That when, when it's time for bed for one of us, and so we kind of had to talk that out and say, well, when is good bedtime going to be for us? And if for our listeners who followed us along, they know that, that you know, we go to bed quite early because we're going to hang out in bed, we're going to have a treat, we're going to watch a movie, we're going to spend time. That's going to be a time for us is, you know, just having friendship time while we're laying in bed watching TV and, we actually talk all through the whatever we're watching. It's mostly us talking while a movie plays <laughs> in the background, you know. Awesome. But who's going to make the bed? Are we going to get up at the same time? Is that it? Do we even care if we get up at the same time? Are we going to eat breakfast together? I, I remember one of our teachers here, he said, he was telling a story about this first year of marriage, and he said, my wife took me into the bathroom after we were married for a, a month or so, and said, Randy, I'm going to show you how to fold a towel. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> and he said, I actually had hung up the towel, but it wasn't what she wanted. He said, she showed me this little trifold and said, now do you see how nice that is? You can't see the edges. That's how I want the towels folded." He said, how would he have ever known that without her saying, I'm going to kind of run our bedroom and keep it nice for us, but this is how you're going to do your part on that. You're going to help me make the bed this way. You're going to fold the towel this way. Good. So, So what are the, okay. How are you going to run a household? Who's going to cook yes. the mills? Who's going to take out the trash? Um, you know, really, who's going to cook the mills? That used to be an assumption, right? Like the woman is going to cook the mills. Oh, Angie would shoot me if she tries to tell me the story. <laughs> but our very first mill, she had never really thought through like cooking a mill. You know, she was a college student. She'd throw a baked potato. She went to Rick's College. She'd throw a baked potato in and you know come and eat that and some marshmallows was was her mill. And our first mill was a piece of chicken. And, uh, you know, and I said, she cooked the chicken? It was awesome. You know, she had gotten this recipe to cook the chicken. And, and I came home from work, and she said, I made dinner. I'm like, awesome. And she put the chicken on the plate. And then we both came to that, like, <laughs> you know, I didn't know how to say it. And I'm like, is there anything to go with the chicken? You no. Know, not that it was her obligation, but we had kind yeah. of, you know, she knew I was going to, I was at the time working two jobs, and she was going to cook. And so we kind of, we had come to that agreement. But she said, I never even thought about, you have side dishes. You know, it's like, I got a can of corn. And so we always laugh about that, about our first meal was a piece of chicken. (laughs) But you just don't think of these things unless you pay the price to think of these things. It has to be Mm. deliberate thinking, right? Where you sit down together and say, let's talk about some of these things that you see happening in your house and you never noticed that they were happening.
3: Yeah. Oh, you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I, a lot of these things for some people, and maybe it's for everybody, sometimes they're more sensitive topics than you expect them to be. Mm-hmm. Like you start talking about something, like, like for us, uh, we've learned early in marriage and just recently um, how we meet each other's love languages is completely different. And we didn't know it could be such a sensitive topic to say, I feel loved when you do this, and this isn't happening. And so I'm not feeling very loved. Mm. That's hard to say. Yeah, that. that's hard. And so much easier, e- even though it sounds like a funny conversation to have, to say, hey, uh, I've noticed, or maybe I'm learning that. Uh, It means a lot to me when the front room is clean or when this thing is clean. Like for me, just as an example, my love language is service. And it's a pretty difficult love language to have because I don't want to say if something isn't clean, I don't feel loved. I feel like a horrible person for saying that. Like, man, uh, you've got to serve me or I don't feel loved even though we have great time together. It doesn't feel fair. And it's hard for me to bring that up. But, and even
1: to be able to verbalize that, right? Yes. I mean, it takes a little wordsmithing and maybe some of these things are things that you kind of go through and you have to understand yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because if you don't know, hey, this is what's happening to me, then you're just the person who's saying, I'm not happy. And they're like, why aren't you happy? I want to make you happy. I'm doing any, everything. And they're, yes. you're saying, I'm just not, you know, some of it is learning to get to know yourself.
2: Um, I think going along with that, um, as far as during engagement, what you can do is with expectations, is make sure you talk about how you're going to deal with situations like that. Mm. Like, what do you want me to say when I'm not feeling loved or when I'm upset or when something's bugging me? You have to, t- you have to plan out during your engagement how you are going to deal with issues because they will come up. No one will just never have a disagreement. Um, and so planning that out will make it so much easier because when you're having a short engagement of three months you might not run into any issues, like you just might not.
1: Not everything comes up in three months. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
2: exactly. And so then, two weeks into marriage, you're mad that they're not folding their towels correctly or whatever. It's so much easier if you've already planned out, oh yeah, this is what I'm going to do when I'm upset and I'm going to tell him.
1: Or somehow they're trampling on your feelings. Okay, so so I like your idea, but now we got to, you know, for the people listening, what's a real way you could do that?
3: Are you familiar with the book, Crucial Conversations?
1: I am now. Okay, so (laughs) it's
3: a fantastic book that is super prevalent in the business world, but is 100% applicable in a relationship of any sort. Now, you don't
1: get any royalties from this book, right? No, I don't. Oh, (laughs) good. I don't. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Uh,
3: So, Crucial Conversations are high stakes high-stress conversations. So conversations about intimacy, conversations about love languages not being met, conversations about something that you want to happen that isn't happening, there is a way to have those that's uh, been studied out and there's a process that you can, you can follow to keep from hurting the other's feelings and present a thought so that uh, you keep open and you can have the conversation without everything exploding. Yeah. Because there are conversations that I'm sure you can think of some off the top of your head that there are people that will wait tens of years to have conversations because they don't know how to approach a subject like a, a problem in the bedroom that they're unhappy with and if you don't know how to handle that early in marriage or even talk about how to have a conversation before you're married, that can go years without being addressed. Yeah,
1: for sure, for sure. And President Kimball mentions that, right? That that's one of the 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 problems in their sexual intimacy is one of the biggest challenges and one of the reasons people get divorced. Mm. So so maybe some of these crucial conversations we should talk about a little bit right now. Mm. But without reading the book, you know, I can tell you how as a, you know, a PhD in a social science, I can tell you how we study these things. Mm. And the way we do it is, you find somebody who does this well and then you study them. You know it's not like you develop it usually. You, normally you go out and you go who's really good at, at doing this and then you watch how they do it and then you watch others and you go okay I'm seeing a pattern that people who are good at this do this mm-hmm. and, and I can tell you in my experience with these high-stake conversations the the big factor is love and that you want the other person to be happy. The, if, if you come into it and you're saying, right, Zach, to Sadie, Sadie, I want so badly for you to be happy. That is my, like we've, we've quoted David O. McKay several times in here. My true heart's desire, my one heart's desire is to make her happy. And, and Sadie, you're saying, Zach, my desire is to... So then when you approach this conversation, you're saying, I'm coming into this conversation because I love you and want you to be happy and you want me to be happy. And so here we go. There's, you know, all of a sudden the stakes are high, but... I'm looking after your welfare, you're looking after my welfare. And that really helps. I think another one of those is to find a, a nice way, time and place to do it. So for Angie and for me we were out walking and we've learned so we walk every morning. We've probably exercised in the mornings together now seven or eight years. You know I'll go for a run or I used to go for a run now I'm on the elliptical but I'll do a little bit and then we'll do some kind of either aerobic exercise or we'll go for a walk and a jog together. And about, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I just, you know, we got out there and I said, how would you feel about me giving you 25 minutes of life, coach, life coaching? And you know, I've, I've done some of that for other people and she's like, I would love that. And so I just said, because there was something that I knew would make her happy if she knew it. And that was my whole intent. And it was about money. You know, that she still, I think, was feeling like we were in the early days of our money management. And so she was still feeling like, you know, she had to budget everything out and and, and I and so during this live coaching, I just went, I, I'm going to talk to you about this one particular thing because I know that we're ready to move to the next level and it's going to make you so much happier. Well, the next day, as soon as we hit the road, I'm like, okay, you owe me 25 minutes. Like I want you to, and I'm telling you what I told her might have been beneficial. It might have been, I'm not sure if it really was. The 25 minutes I got from Angie were life changing. As you know, I matter as a matter of fact, it started off with 25 minutes and about 50 minutes later I'm like, "Oh, what about this?" You know, as I'm learning from her, she's saying, "Oh, here's something I've noticed that you do. Here's something that, you know, that, oh, if you this is the, a big challenge for you and here's a way that you could resolve that." And so finding a way and a time and a place that's comfortable and that you know, you never want to do it when you're right in the middle of contention like, I'm going to life coach you, you know, or ask for life coaching, you know, there's got to be a uh, way and a time and a place. And I'm interested now to read that book, you know, I, to, to I see how, how, how experts really, like really have found that people do that. But, but I can say, you know, for those who haven't read the book, those conversations rooted in love, you know, that, that that's going to be uh, one of the keys.
2: Um, I was just going to say, I, I love that. Um, it seems, you know, like when we're talking about conversation in marriage, The reason we're able to do it is because of practice and so i think that's when it comes back to engagements is that start now like you don't have to wait until you're married to talk about things you can start and practice and it's going to get easier it's way easier now for us to have a conversation a hard conversation than it was three and a half years ago Mm -hmm. just because we've done it for three and a half years and more
1: yes you know that that's great that is great insight i had one of my daughters who's been married about three years just said to me our marriage is so much better than it was the first year. I'm like, yes, that is success, right? Yeah. <laughs> when you can say, and she's like, oh, we had we had so much, you know. I can't remember if she said the word arguments or so many arguments or so much contention, something. But she's like, we have really learned to figure that out over time. Mm-hmm. Those are marriages that keep going and just get better and better until what President Kimball calls exultant ecstasy, right? where the two of you together are exalted in ecstasy. Uh, And and when you don't have those and you go, we're worse this year than our first year of marriage. Like we have worse conversations. We're arguing more. Those are marriages that don't go the distance, you know, but, but you can expect, and what a great time. Sadie, that was a great insight. What a great time to have those conversations and practice talking about high stake having high stake conversation high stakes conversations right mm-hmm. uh, during the time that you're engaged go, so go then. so
3: then one of those high stakes conversations that i i mean tell me if i'm not going the right direction here but that a lot of engaged couples especially in utah don't have is expectations for their wedding night i mean yeah that's like,
1: one of the things it actually says in the in the manual oh yes, does it okay yes.
3: <laughs> because I, I think Sadie and I both know a number of people that are close to us who were terrified for their wedding night, even yeah. though it could be this really exciting, fun time to be with your spouse. And I, I, everybody does it a little bit differently. It's like, when sh- when should you talk about preparing for your wedding night? Yeah. and And everybody has a different opinion, but... I mean, would you agree it's something that you should For talk sure. about? For sure, you should.
1: Engaged? And, you know, and there's going to be some people listening to this, they're going to feel a little uncomfortable. Like, yeah. hey, do we want our engaged couples talking about <laughs> sexual relationships? <laughs> uh, well, that, that's who should be talking about them. And I think there's ways that you can do it very appropriately. Mm. Uh, if we take Sister Nelson, Wendy Nelson's most recent talk about this that she gave at BYU, yes. and President Nelson, and combine those, and you combine them with the Strength of Youth pamphlet. Um you know if, if you're able to keep vulgarity out of it right not not introduce pornography into this it's a conversation about something that's uh, as president Kimball said god the Bible celebrates sex as God created, God invented God ordained right and God blessed and so if he feels that way about it, then we should be able to have conversations about it, but we have to make sure that we're including the Lord in that conversation. Mm. And, you know, and saying, we want to do it in a way that will not only be pleasing to each of us, but pleasing to the Lord, that he will, he will be pleased with the way we're handling this. Mm-hmm. I think a couple who goes into relationship talking about their sexual exp- you know, expectations for that wedding night are going to have, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that that's a conversation you have when you're dating. No, I, I would say once you've committed to each other uh, in an engagement, then that, those are the conversations you can have. And, you know, and you can have them with your mom and dad. Not, not the couple with their mom and dad, but, you know, the, the woman with her mom and dad and the man with her mom and dad to kind of uh, help, hey, like, coach me a little bit here, maybe just with your mom if you're the girl the that after that boy. <laughs> coach me a little bit here so that when you actually have that conversation, you're not coming together as two people who know nothing, hmm. right? So you've, your parents okay. have taught you through it. Then you're ready to have the conversation with each other and said, you know, here, here's kind of uh, some, just some suggestions from my side. Here's some suggestions from my parents, you know, and, and it, they can seem so awkward. I'm even stuttering as I'm saying it, but, you know, but, but it will be very beneficial for that night.
3: And it's awesome if you can have those conversations with your parents. Some, some people aren't able to, and there are some awesome resources at Deseret Book for discussing that. Before before marriage, while yes. you're engaged, and they're preparing that part. And of your you life.
1: can actually do the search in the church's website. I just did that yes. uh, a minute ago, and there's some really great articles, even by the brethren. Oh, awesome. And and you can find them in the Enzyme or the Leahona you know, and some of the older Enzynes. Um And you've got siblings. Some of some people have an older married sibling. That's yeah. how that was. My older brother took me out to dinner and said, "Hey, I'm going to talk to you about some of these things." And then I was able to talk to Angie about them, mm. and it, uh, I, we were both so thankful that he had taken the time to talk to me and, uh, and I had that from a sibling as well. Yeah, still feel oh, very so thankful, so thankful for that. And so now I tell my daughters, talk to your sister. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we try to do a little bit better job. Um, okay, so, so there's that topic. Mm. Um, another topic then that's related to that is, what about children? Mm. Now you may, as you're dating, say, I want to have a bunch of kids. Me too. I want to have kids right away or I want to. But now is a better time to say, okay, let's really kind of hammer this out. Because you're going to have to know that first night when you want to have children, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're planning on waiting some or waiting along or having children right away, that's something that you need to know before the day that you're married. And so now you can have a real conversation on you know, on that topic. And there are a ton of resources on uh, churchofjesuschrist.org where the brethren are talking about how many children should you have. You know, it used to be, you know, have as many whatever, and now you look at the brethren and they're saying, the most recent talks are saying, I'm satisfied to leave that between the couple and the Lord. Well, then that means that you two have to be talking about it, right? Yeah. You can't go to some talk and it says the magic number seven. You know, now you go, now we have to have this discussion. Pray to Heavenly Father about our decisions and get a confirmation on that. So so there's another crucial conversation. Hmm. N- not just yeah. what you're going to do physically on the night, but what are going to be the results of that, right? Hmm. And, and how you're going to say, hey, every time we have intimacy, it should bind us together. But also, it should bring some children into the home and let's make a plan. Mm-hmm. And your plan will change, especially the first month of having that baby and it's crying every night. You're gonna have an only child, right? <laughs> <laughs> It takes till that baby gets a little older and you're like, okay, we could probably do another one, right, after that. But, uh, so that's another crucial conversation. Yeah. I had an interesting experience the other day in, in our class we were talking about this and I said, we're going to practice talking, now it wasn't going to be about intimacy, but we're going to practice talking with somebody else that may come from a different background. So I just matched them up in class, we had about 60 kids there, matched them up and said, you're going to talk about one of these five topics. And it was good because, you know, one of them was, who's going to make the money in your home? A good one. You know, 40 years ago, it would have been a two second conversation. You're going to make the money unless you die, right? They uh-huh. would have said to the man. <laughs> And now it's, hey, that's really not always the case anymore. Um, or or how are, is it going to change over time? Another one was, how are you going to raise your children? Um, and that's kind of vague. So I narrowed it down to, what type of schooling are you going to do? Mm. And, boy, did that send some fireworks off. It was good because I matched up a homeschooler, very very staunch homeschooler, and unintentionally with a very staunch public schooler. And and this what the student said in the class was you know I'm going to uh, we really had a really interesting conversation me and this dude who I'm not going to marry right she said (laughs) because I'm going to homeschool my kids and and then suddenly I went okay now that's really interesting because you have to say am I going to homeschool my kids so I'll only date somebody then who also is going to or do you go this is what I want I'm dating somebody who doesn't, now we're gonna have a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. And it was funny because one of the kids in the class said something totally inappropriate. He's like, who would, you know, and and who would send their kids to public school? And then all the public school people were like, I went to public school and I'm just fine. I'm like, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you're a great case for public school. It was just this funny conversation where I went, wow. How, so, so not only how many children, how you're going to educate them and uh, even as much as making the, the gospel the center of your home president nelson's most recent right 2021 2020 and 2021, 2021 talks making your home a center of gospel learning are we going to read in the morning are we going to read scriptures every day are we how who how are we going to decide who says the prayer is the man going to get to call on somebody is the woman going to call on somebody are we going to are we going to roll dice you know, is it going to be everybody gets assigned a day? That's how we did it in our family. Eventually, you know, was they're like, "Dad, aren't you supposed to?" I'm like, "Here's how I'm going to do it. If Mom says it's okay, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, <laughs> Saturday. You know, I just then you pray on your day was the way we did it. But it was something that Angie and I decided together. So
2: hmm.
3: that's
1: awesome. Uh, other crucial conversations. Um, so, um
3: finances.
2: finances well, what should you talk about in term,
1: So I actually. In a previous podcast, we did two of them on finances and you and I did these together and we talked about you need to make sure you're financially compatible, right? But that's probably not the whole conversation. Um, Once you're engaged, you go, oh, we've got to now. So maybe what I'm seeing in our little experience here is that there are things you talk about in dating that you hit the surface of to make sure that you're both compatible. Right? Like you should have already talked about finances. You should have already had maybe even some conversations about physical intimacy, you know, that, that were very appropriate in terms of, hey, let's make sure that we're both agreeing that you shouldn't have sex before marriage kind of thing. You should have had some finances, some about children, some about this. You hit the surface of it so you see that you're compatible. But now that you get under the first foot of water, now you have to make some plans, right? And so I think going from dating to engagement really is going from testing compatibility to solidifying your plans. Mm. Mm. Right? To Where you say, okay, we've talked about wanting to have children, and we probably want to have them right away. How are we going to plan that? Mm. We've talked about, we're going, I, I'm thinking I want to wait. You're thinking you want to wait. We better make some plans. What are we going to do for birth control? How are we going to do some of those things? We've talked about, we don't want to go into debt but we want to have a car. How are we going to do that? You know, we we did the surface one foot to make sure that we were wanting to get married. Now we've got to sink a little deeper, dig a little deeper, to quote a Disney movie, right? Got to have a quote every Disney movie you can. Dig a little deeper to see how we're going to make that plan.
3: Yeah. Uh, I had a summer of work that I feel like applies to this super well. Uh, We had the owner of the company come visit my team, and he gave a training on what do you want, what's the price, pay it. And that's he, he said. That's true for everything that you're expecting or you want in life. And so, if you want to live a certain way, you need to figure out between the two of you what's the price of that, yeah. and pay it. And if if one person, for example, if you're both studying to be teachers, or or one of you is studying to be a teacher and the other one wants to uh, wants to just raise well, not just Stay raise the children, right. which is an awesome career. Uh, then you need to be prepared for that kind of lifestyle.
1: The budgeting is going to be a big part of it. And that yes. was us, right? Yes. I needed to marry a budgeter. Oh, and she's the world's greatest budgeter, right? <laughs> yeah. I swear, sometimes we walk out of the store and they've paid us to shop there. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah,
3: but how often do people come from slightly different backgrounds with how their families use money? Like, we, even our families, I'd say they're pretty close, but even then, we had different expectations for how we would be we would be living, and understanding that, uh, well, we expected to have multiple cars, or we expected to share a car for the first couple of years okay. of marriage. That's so important. Or how much money is going to go into a
1: car? How much money is going to go into vacationing? You yes. know how much how much money is going to go into shoes? Mm-hmm. Right. I think most men get married and go why do you have more than two pairs of shoes? There's a church <laughs> shoe and there's a, you know, there's a Everything walk around else. shoe. There's your, every, yeah, your, every, your everyday shoe yeah. and you go, okay, we need to have some of those conversations, dig a little deeper, which should solidify your relationship, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to you saying the day after you're married, why the heck are we buying uh, 10 pairs of shoes? You, you know, you've already had those conversations.
2: Um, I think a good way to, because it's, it's hard to know what to talk about, like what am I going to miss things while I'm engaged because a lot of things just don't come up. But I think a good way to think about what do we need, what do we need to talk about is have a vision. Think five, ten years in the future, well, however much, and think about what you want your family life to look like, what you want your finances to look like, where you want to live, and then start talking about those things. Well, what do you want? How are we going to get there? Um, how are our children going to act? How are they going to grow up? I think those things will come up if you're thinking in the future mm. and what you expect. Yeah. And
3: then you can figure out the price. Yeah, you begin right?
1: with the end in mind, and then you, as you, right, this is what we want, and mm-hmm. then you start saying, okay, so what are the steps that are going to get yeah. us there? Right? What, what is what's the price? Gonna, right? What's
3: it going to cost us yeah. in work, in, yeah. in hours, schooling. in communicating, schooling, and then how are we going to pay that price? Nice, excellent.
1: Well, so, okay. This was good. I I wondered how this would go down. You were the perfect couple to come on this episode. Thank you so much. Um, I think I like to kind of have a wrap-up where I go, Mm. so can I actually do this? So what have we recommended to the people listening today? Really, that you get together and you say, what's married life going to be like? Mm. And observe your families, observe your parents. You know, start Sadie, I loved your last comment there. I'm so glad you put it out. That you say okay, what do we want in five years? And then look at some big things that you can already say, okay, how are we going to handle intimacy? How are we going to handle children? How many are we going to have? What are we going to do to prevent or bring them here? How are we going to raise them? How are we going to school them? What are we going to do to make our home, you know, a gospel-centered plan? How are we going to make money? Who's going to make the money? How are we going to spend it? Who's How are we going to run a budget? When are we going to talk about our budget? You know it's too late if you're doing that day one because you spent a bunch of money on your marriage right on your wedding you've spent a bunch of money and who's bringing a car and who's bringing debt and all of that so so uh, finances and children right and intimacy and all of you know those are i think three big conversations that you should have planning the wedding of course planning the honeymoon getting an apartment all of that will come naturally you know that you'll say uh, you know, we, we've got to have those discussions, of course, because we got to get married. we got to have a place to live, and what are we going to do with the cars and some of that. Um, let me throw one more thing out there that another teacher, um, he's in a stake presidency, a young adult stake presidency, returned mission president. And I asked him today, hey, do you, th- you have anything you think I should throw on this podcast? And he said, I've been telling my stake members to date on their feet. And at first I thought, ooh, that, you know, the, the opposite sounded a little risqué. <laughs> I wasn't sure what he meant. And he said, you should date out doing things. You should be out doing things. Not dating on your seats, but dating on your feet. He said, because, you know, you're going to have a baby uh, before too long after you're married, probably, right? And after that, your baby's going to tie you to the home. And you're going to have a lot of dates, watching movies, sitting on the couch. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of time together where you're, you're sitting down because the baby needs to sit down. The baby needs to be taken care of. And, and the more children you bring, the more you may find that. And he said, I've been recommending to my stake members that right now during your engagement period, you should be dating on your feet. Get out and do things that you probably won't get to do when a baby comes. I, and He wasn't recommending that you blow all of your funds, but that you get out and do things while you're trying to continue to build that friendship to date on your feet I thought I said can I quote you on the podcast he said sure but I thought that was a nice things that will continue to develop the friendship and then and then we, of course we've got to talk about this I think every engaged couple having been the father of three engaged couples already you need to learn to control your physical intimacy because you probably don't need to know if you're physically any more compatible than you did when you were dating you know if you have the the passion right? if you have a sexual drive for that person you know it and so what you need to do is make some rules to control it. And, and often, that's all a bishop will talk about with a young engaged couple is. You know, you're engaged, here's my 10 rules for engaged couples. And it's better than nothing, right? But what we've talked about today really expanded that. But even those 10 rules are very beneficial. And, you know. And if you don't know what, if you didn't get that from your bishop or stake president, then you could probably sit down and figure some of those out. Uh, don't be alone in a room together. Don't be alone in a parked car together. Uh, never lay down together. Never lay on top of each other. Those are some basic ones, right? Don't engage in just make out sessions. And that's right in the Strength of Youth pamphlet still. You know, that the, the, they're kissing goodnight and a kiss here or there, or kissing throughout the date. Uh, that's not a big deal. But where you get together to kiss, uh, that it that it just leads to problems. And President Benson described this. We quote this in one of the other episodes, but when you go too far as an engaged couple, it begins to generate feelings of resentment that you kind of stole something from each other that should have been purchased with marriage, right? You gave something away that was not yours to give uh, in terms of your virtue. And you've you've taken it from each other and given it from each other unauthorized to do that. And and that, that begins to create this feeling of resentment. And then there's some hiding and there's some secrecy and... And, you know, like Paul would have said, these things were not done in the shadows, right? They shouldn't be. That at the right moment, these things can, you know, can be glorious and wonderful. But but I would just throw that out as a recommendation, as maybe a, a final thought is date on your feet. Get out and do some things that you probably won't get to do when you're fifty. You know, like we're now saying, hey, our kids are about out of the house. We got one child left at home. And we're saying, well, we can get out and do some things. And now our bodies are breaking down a little bit. We're saying, no, we can't, (laughs) no, as much as we'd like to have done that right now, we, we, we have the money, but we don't have the bodies to do some of those things that we would like to have done. So any parting thoughts from the two of you?
3: Uh, just that I think one of the, as far as dating goes, learning to understand people's habits, there are some dates that may not feel like dates once you're married that are kind of fun dates while you're dating. Like, while we we're, were engaged, there were a bunch of times we would go grocery shopping for a week together. That's just one of the things we do. And that was how we found out how each of us shopped. Oh. Sadie knows. And what you she, like to eat, probably, too. I mean, yes, yeah, exactly. And so, Sadie found out real quickly that when I'm shopping, I buy anything that looks good to me. And when she's shopping, she is much better at following a list. She's got the recipe in mind, right? So, I mean, we learned early in marriage, if she really wants something, then she just has to go shopping with me and we'll probably get it. But uh, just like some of those fun little things. Yeah, that's that's It's actually a fun date. So, well,
1: and you know, you shop together in your early 20s and you go, this is a date. Yeah. And then you're 30 and 40, and you're like, this is not a date. And then you become 50, and you go, let's go to Costco for our date. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of a bell curve. You come uh, back yeah. around to going shopping for a date.
2: Um, yeah, just just to end and add on to what, you know, the three things to talk about that we kind of been talking about, intimacy, finances, and family. family. Um, along with family, just make sure you talk about how you want to raise your kids in the gospel and how you want the gospel to be a part of your home. And I know you mentioned that before. But I do think that's another one of the very key things to picture in that vision that I mentioned before.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Wow. Honestly, you two, just the perfect couple to talk about this with. And uh, thanks for all the advice that you've given our listeners. Um, if if we still have any, I hope you know. I, I I hope we still have some listeners at this point, you know. I, I'm like I. Someone said, so have you? Do you like the way you sound? I'm like I don't even dare listen to these podcasts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just we just send them out. Thank you everyone for listening and uh, for all of those who are listening to this. Engaged, congratulations. Use this as a time to get, really set a solid groundwork right and and begin the structure and the bones of your house that the rest of the flesh will be built on. And uh, thanks, Zach and Sadie, for your great contributions. We'll see you next time. And we'll be talking more about preparing to go to the temple. will be our next couple of episodes. So those are ones you don't want to, to miss. Thanks so much.
0: Really quick, don't leave. I just wanted to thank you again for listening to another episode of the Art of Dating podcast. Um, and like every other episode, you'll see us again next week. And in the meantime, feel free to reach out to us over email. You can shoot us a message at the Art of Dating Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook and we'll have a bunch of slides up there. Um, and you can shoot us a message um, there as well. Anyway, have a good week.